Hello, welcome back to the return of the Perpetual Outsider podcast with me, John Bensalia. Thank you for joining me. Um, sorry about the of a long wait, but um, various reasons I've uh, um, been on a bit of a podcast break for the last couple of months. But um, hopefully, you know, we're back and um, ready to do some more in the future. Um, as ever, I'm on uh, Buy Me a coffee.com forward slash John Benzalia. Um, that's my uh, begging moment over. Unfortunately, uh, lack of funds. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, it requires me to do that, but never mind. Right. So today we are looking at an edition of uh, the Generation Game, which was broadcast on October the 20th, 1979. And the reason I've picked this one is because it was said to be the highest ever rated one. And we're also coming up to the, uh, the f- I think, 40, 40, yeah, 43rd anniversary, according to my maths. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Here we go. Peter, Daphne, Eric, Shirley, Alf. Mm, they always used to announce it like this with this mad announcer. So this was the highest ever rated episode of the Generation Game. Uh, like I said, first broadcast on the 20th of October, 1979. Uh, great evenings lineup, actually. Um, yeah, there was Basil Brush, uh, Doctor Who, City of Death, of course, which pulled in a very respectable 16 million viewers. Uh, then, of course, Generation Game. And I, th- I think... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Secret Army after this. Uh, and then later on, Mike Yarwood. So, um, yeah, a pretty damn good lineup for Saturday TV. And according to various sources, depending on which you read, it either got in excess of 23 million viewers or 25 million viewers. Um, well, let's put it into context a little bit. Um, I don't know if uh, how many uh, you know listeners will know about this, but uh, ICV was was down on the other side. There was a, there was a strike which lasted between the August and uh, the October of nineteen seventy nine. So that you know that kind of contributed to um, to the BBC shows doing exceptionally well. Um, but all the same, I mean. You know, 25 million viewers didn't have to tune in. They could have gone out. They could have uh, played games at home, you know. Use your imagination. I don't know. Um, but, you know, 25 million viewers is is still pretty impressive. And I think by now, via the Larry and Isla partnership was, you know, just doing... Uh, it was proving incredibly popular to the point where they've now got, like, miniature dolls, I think. Isla's just brought on their... Some miniature dogs made of Larry and Isla, who was made by a little old lady called Peggy, which was based on the uh, uh, the season opener, which was like a special when it was uh, set in Scarborough. They went to the seaside, they played various games and uh, whatnot. So here are our first contestants, Pat and John. Um, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll uh, see more from them in the, in the first bit. Yeah, Pat's wearing a suit for some reason. I don't know, but anyway, go back to going back to um, 
Um, the strike, yeah, it returned. ITV returned um, a couple of days later on the twenty fourth of October. So um, af- after um, after this episode, the ratings were were down, but they were still pretty good. I think they got a they they um, the generation game was still pulling in nineteen million viewers, uh, give or take, which is um, still a huge amount. I mean. You know, TV companies these days, I think, would be crying out for those sorts of, you know, they'd be jumping up and down on the other desk and throwing an impromptu party for that sort of ratings. I mean, it's incredible. But, um, yeah, I, I've got, I actually remember watching this episode because I remember uh, my uncle, um, my uncle Tony came around. He came to visit us. And... Um, yes, I vividly remember watching City of Death, which was before this, and this one as well. I think we were, you know, we were allowed to stay up a little bit, me and my uh, my sister Emma. And, um, yeah, how old, yeah, I, I was five years old in uh, when this went out. And I think we were allowed to, you know, stay up a little bit and watch, you know, watch telly. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember it, you know, fond memories, which is, um, unfortunately, you don't get it now. You, you just don't. I mean, I'm recording this uh, on a Monday and it was straight after, um, you know, straight after the weekend's entertainment, which was rubbish. I mean, it's it's like the BBC have just given up. You know, it's like they, they can't be bothered to make half-decent programmes. You know, lame return of Blankety Blank. Uh, not so good, you know, especially when the best they can offer is like Towie stars and reality TV, Love Island and all of that. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Um, it's, it's a nice idea, but, it, you know, unfortunately we're in the age of reality TV where, um, you know... You know, reality TV stars hold court, unfortunately, rather than um, anyone with actual genuine talent. Uh, next up, we got, yeah, just breaking off there. Daphne and Peter are up next to our contestants. And Daphne is wearing a very, she looks like she's wearing the third doctor's coat, actually. The the velvet jacket, you know, it's a blue velvet jacket. Very, very dapper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, has he just called him... Oh, she, yeah, she's just called Daff. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, um, yeah, going back to um, Saturday night, it's, it's, it's just changed completely. I mean, of course, you know, the, the, the argument is... Um, oh, hang on. <laughs> That's a good That is a good joke. Yeah. Daft's favourite singers are Max Bygraves and Des O'Connor. And then Larry says, oh, what a coincidence. That's their favourite singers too. So, you know, the, the old ones are always the best. <laughs> yes. Apologies. I, I keep breaking off on a train of thought, but um, that's the price you pay when you're doing a one-man podcast show. But anyway... Yes, the the death of Saturday Night TV is just, um, just uh, it's it's just gone. And I, you know, I I blame streaming. You know, the uh, the rise of so many other channels. 
most of which don't really come up with anything interesting. So it's kind of like, you know, the, the mainstream ones like BBC and ITV don't really have to compete. I mean, these days, what have we got? You know, Strictly, which is on for two hours. For Masked Dancer, I mean, who really gives a shit? You know, it's just... Oh. Um, Clarkson presenting Millionaire. I mean, it's just it, it, real, real lame stuff. I mean... And I think part of the problem with the BBC is is the lack of choice. You know, you you either like two hours of Strictly or you lump it, you know. And, yeah, it's it's not for me. Not for me. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. My wife, my wife and um, two kids love dancing. My two daughters, they love dancing. So uh, there, there's clearly a market for it. But um, given that I've got two left feet... I am nowhere near that market. You know, I, I couldn't even walk, you know, I couldn't even, you know, do a, you know, impromptu uh, Travolta shuffle. But never mind. Right. So let's, uh, enough of this uh, Saturday night moaning. This is, um, this is the first game. And I think it's with World Scout Jamboree. The 89th Reading Scout Group. And they've got these bizarre kind of twisty, turny... They look like giant coat hangers. I don't know. Um, what the hell are they? Well, what they've what the contestants have got to do is what the scouts are doing at the moment. Are they doing... They've got this... What looks like a giant lampshade. Um... No, it's not actually. It's um, it it looks like a lampshade because it's going at a very very high speed, but it's like um, this bizarre kind of rope, um, several bits of rope on the which are attached to a central um circle, and they have to you know sort of uh, twist these around. I'm really explaining this well. Um, you'd have to see it to you know to believe it. Unfortunately, uh, my copy is really, my copy of this is really ropey. I mean, it's, um, it's like watching it through a, you know, a Hessian sack. It's, uh, you know, it's a very fuzzy quality. So even I can't tell what they're actually doing, really. But there you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And in this day and age where there's no generation game available on DVD, apart, apart from a few choice episodes on, um, which you can get. Uh, uh, there's a couple of DVDs out there, um, which which are wonderful and they're considerably better quality than this. But you know, you know, I, I just became a big generation game fan, so um, you know, I'm you know really enjoying these, even if they aren't the best quality. So th- this is um, the scout leader called Lawrence, and he joined in 1918. What? So he's been with the Scouts for 61 years. My really rubbish maths is not good. So, um, God, that's that's a long time to be in the Scouts. I did I did actually join the, the Cubs Scouts. It was Cubs rather than Scouts. And um, I think I went one Monday um, in 1981. And then I decided that I hated it and uh, and left. Besides, it clashed with Blake Seven that Monday. So, uh, right, how are 
John and Peter doing with this? Um, Peter's fumbling it a bit. John's doing better. They've got to basically spin the, um, the giant lampshade thing around. John gets two. Peter also gets two, although he he, he did uh, he did fumble it. So um, so it's Pat and Daff, is it? Yeah, Pat and Daff. We can make a pop duo duo out of that. Oh, not too bad. I have to say, you know, like you know, with all of these games, um, I'm I'm amazed that they can actually do this on you know on you know pretty much as live TV. I don't know. When it was recorded, there's um, there's a further generation game which goes out on the 24th of November, but um, there's letters that say the 14th of November. So I'm inclined to think that that it was recorded like 10 days in advance. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing concrete, but um, purely on the basis of that, I would guess it was like recorded and you know ab- about 10 days before. Which will probably make sense because, you know, you've got to get it edited and you've got to get it, you know, all pasted together and all of that. But, you know, they, they still recorded it as live, you know, because, um, you know, TV studio time in those days was, uh, um, it, you know, you had to get everything in the can by, by 10 o'clock. Otherwise, you didn't have a show. And of course, it was very costly for a remount. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm amazed that they can do this in you know in pretty much real time and make a complete fool of themselves before 25 million people. You know, good on them. Oh, not bad. Oh, John, John is doing a very good job. I've got to say, it's John with uh, without the H. Um, I always get really, really pissed off when people spell my name with an, without an H. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a few emails and they, um, they they don't spell my name right. And you think, how, how difficult can it be just to delete the H? But there you go. Right, let's going to have a sweet, I think. Excuse me. Uh, what? What the hell? Have they, they now, they've now got to lie on the floor and um, spin the... Uh, the th- the lampshade round. That's bizarre. This is Malcolm, the of a dem- of a demo man, and you've got Lawrence, who's the ancient boy scout. I always thought scouts are just a bit odd. I just I, I didn't didn't get it. Even on that, you know, that one night that I was there at the Cubs, I just thought it was just too too strange. So, uh, um, no, I never. Um, excuse me, I I, I never stayed. If you're wondering what that noise is, it's the uh, the time up buzzer. By the way, for those who've never seen it, three each, very good. Oh, yeah, they used to have the the Boy Scouts on the Generation game before this one. This one early episode from. 1972, where they have to put up a tent, um, and the contestants make a complete hash of it. I mean, it's uh, not easy. So, uh, that stage, John and 
John and Pat have 11, and Peter and Daff have 9. So the next game is, guess, the comic strip character. Oh, love comic strips. I always used to buy the Beano. You used to get it delivered um, every week without fail. Um, Was that Tiger Tim? Desperate Dan. Yeah, recognise that. Lord Snooty. Not Jacob Rees-Mogg. Is that Laurel and Hardy? I don't don't know. Hell right. Oh, Billy Bunter. Hmm. I've got about four of those, I think. Let's see how the other contestants do. Right, here we go. Yep, Tiger Tim. And it is Tiger Tim from Tiger Tim's Weekly. I don't know how I knew that. I mean, that's clearly way before my time. But yeah, Desperate Dan. Yeah, the Dandy and the Beano. I used to get the Beano comic, but I did used to get the the Dandy Annual as well. John and Pat have put Tiny? What? (laughs) Tiny? (laughs) Right, are they getting Lord Snooty? They got Tiny to... I don't think this is um, John and Pat's game somehow. No, it's Lord Snoozy. Neither, neither of them got it. Um, Daff and Peter put Topper. Yeah, Daff and Peter have put Laurel and Hardy. I do. I'm... And so have John and Pat. What? Weary, Willy and Tired Tim. Okay. Moving swiftly on. Yeah, number five, Luby Lou. <laughs> oh, that's an obvious joke, isn't it? <laughs> Jan and Pat for Isla St. Clair. But it's called Lettuce Leaf. Which is from a magazine called Girl, um, which um, I wouldn't have read. Billy Bunter, and it is Billy Bunter. He was on, yeah, he was in the Knockout comic, but again, it's a bit before my time. Oh, there he is. Mm. There's Gerald Campion, who actually played Billy Bunter in the, between. Um, 1952 and 1961. And the crazy thing is, when he began, he was actually a little bit older. He was actually 29 years old. And by the time he finished, he was nearly 40 years old. So, uh, And of course, Doctor Who fans will recognise him as the porter from um, Sharda. He's the angry guy who's always uh, at the university um, posting the... Um, Oh, what's he? Um, he he has he has a go at um, Skagra. Hmm, mine's just recording stopped. Uh, hello, what's going on with my recording? Apologies for this. 
Right, we'll try and get this back. Sorry, the uh, the video machine is broken down. Thank you, laptop. Yeah, here we are. We're back back in business. Apologies for that. So yeah, um, yeah, Gerald Campion was in um, in Sharda, and uh, yeah, he he played the balls of a um, Skagras goat when he goes you, and uh, Gerald Campion goes, "Why are you addressing me?" And it's a tiebreaker. 15 points apiece, but it is Daff and Peter that go through. Oh, they're shaking hands. That's uh, always nice to see. So off, a, off John and Pat go with uh, the commiseration prize of uh, an engraved trophy. So we're on to the, the next contestants. So we've got Eric and Shirley. Sorry, still enjoying the sweep. <laughs> yeah, Larry always seem he always kind of seems to bumble his way through the proceedings. Unlike Bruce, you know, because Bruce was like super confident, and you know he was always on top of things, but um. Yeah, there's kind of an endearing sort of goof, you know, goofiness about Larry. You know, you know, he's a, a bit more vulnerable, I suppose, for want of a better word. You know, and I, I think that's why um, audiences took to him. Um, you know, especially with how he treated the contestants. I think, you know, Bruce, you know, although, you know, a consummate professional, he did have a tendency to kind of take the mickey out of his, out of the contestants then. Maybe to make himself look a bit better, I don't know. But um, whereas with Larry, he always, you know, kind of took the Mickey out of himself rather than the contestants, you know. And and if he did take the Mickey, then he'd, uh, um, you know, it, it it wouldn't always be, you know, quite as as harsh as Bruce was. Now, Eric um, never buys his wife flowers. I think the last time he did, he it was uh, twenty years before that, um, which is crazy. <laughs> what? Why is Benny from Crossroads presenting um, Eric's wife with a bunch of flowers? Oh, watch it, Eric! You got competition there. Now, for those who don't know, Crossroads was um, was a soap. It was a soap opera in the um, in the sixties, seventies, uh, the eighties. I think it actually returned in some like the noughties, and it lasted about probably about a month or something. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty big news, even though everybody used to um, rip the piss out of it, you know, for its wobbly uh, wobbly set designs and occasional dodgy acting but it's you know i mean it's it's still quite remembered you know quite well remembered by uh by many fans i mean yeah benny's actually played by a guy called paul henry don't know where he is now but yeah i mean at the time they were you know they were big stars all of those um and of course larry's friend uh noel gordon was uh was in crossroads as well she played i think it was meg i could be wrong i don't know 
But um, yeah, I mean, again, Doctor Who fans would probably recognise a couple of actors. Uh, there was Tony Adams, I think, uh, who was in the Green Death. I forget what he played. He he, he played um, God. What was it? I want to say Adam. I don't know. Was he called Adam? I don't know. But and I think his surname was Chance. Um, if there are any Crossroads fans out there, let me know. That's fine. Um, and Ronald Allen, who was in uh, Dominators and Ambassadors of Death, I think he was. I forget what his again what his name was. Hunter. I've got a feeling it might have been David Hunter, but again, I could be wrong. And there was also um, Angus Lenny from Terror of Zygons and the Ice Warriors, and he played the of the Scottish chef uh, Shuggy McPhee. So who have we got? Uh, Alf and Pam, is it? Alf clearly uh, enjoying himself. Laughing already. I mean, it must be pretty difficult to keep a straight face when when you're on TV. I mean, it's, it's probably just nerves, but, you know, I, I just laugh at, you know, really inappropriate moments. Mm, that's my sweet gone. If you're wondering why I'm, you know, sounding like I'm gargling with gobstoppers, it's because um, the sweet's just uh, stuck to my teeth. That's probably a very stupid idea of mine, but never mind. So Alf didn't like Pam's son-in-law at first, but um, when he went round to find uh, a hoover dismantled and in pieces and uh, son-in-law putting it back together, they became pals. There you go. A lesson to be learned for all son-in-laws who don't get on with their in-laws. <laughs> Pam dismantled a historic monument. I mean, like you do, I suppose. I don't know. And now runs a B and B. I wonder if she's um, still running a B and B. You do, I, I do wonder about these content. You know, the, obviously, I mean, the older ones, unless by you know some sheer stroke of luck, you know, whether they're, you know, they're extremely healthy and they're in their hundreds or uh, late nineties. I don't know. You know, they, they probably sadly passed away, but yeah, the, the younger ones, uh, you know, I, I wonder if they, uh, they tell their kids and their grandkids, you know, Oh, I was once of a generation game. Right. Here we go. Third game. What is the third game? Ah, right. They've got this. They've got to guess the smell. What is the smell? They've got to have thirty sniffs to. Right. They've got five. No. No. Half a dozen things that they've got to guess, and I don't. I don't know what the hell they are. Um. What is that? Vinegar or something? And they've, um, what the contestants have to do is sniff each object through a tube. They can't see what it is. All they can see is a tube. Uh, I, I don't think it's dog poo like uh, Larry's uh, 
suggesting. Um, what's a bunch of flowers is that in one of the boxes? So the audience can see it at home. And in the and, and of course in the audience. But the other contestants can't. Right, this should be interesting. What have what have they put? Yep, vinegar. Manure. Right, number two. What? Rose scent. Mint. Uh, what is that? It look, it's a great big bottle of something, like um, medicine or something. I don't know. Doesn't look pleasant. It's mint, but I'm s- <laughs> cyanide. I'm sorry. What? What would they? Why would anybody put cyanide? Hello, welcome to the generation game. Yes, tonight you're going to be poisoned by cyanide. Oh dear, that that is priceless. I, I, I don't think this game is for either couple. They're not. They're not doing very well. <laughs> mothballs? Is it mothballs? Well, I don't know, but um, I don't think their sense of smell is very good. Right. So, what is the next? Oh, cakes. That's making me hungry now. Sue Hillman. Oh, she was on. Um, she was on the nineteen seventy eight Christmas special of a Generation Game in the uh, finale bit, and they had to um, ice a cake. I don't know whether whether Sue's going to do that here. Was she going to make what cakes or what? I don't know. I'm not sure. <coughs> Excuse me. actually going to do mate them or or is she going to fill oh she's going to fill the cases right okay oh it should be good so what she's got is she's got coffee cake mixture and she's putting this very gooey messy mixture in um in the paper cases that the cakes come in um so i'm sure that the other the contestants are going to have a whale of a time with this i'm sure they will <laughs> yeah, they're really going to need those aprons. 
Oh, they've each got to do it one by one. Okay. Right. Um, so Eric is going first. Uh, what the actual? <laughs> God, he's he's just bunging it. He's just bunging the mixture everywhere. I mean. I think actually more mixture went on the uh, the, the table than it did in the cases. So this is Shirley. How's she getting on? Not as bad as Eric. Oh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Where did she get those Deirdre Barlow glasses from? Because she, um, when, when she was first on, you know, they weren't there. I, d I don't know, maybe she just needs it for reading and uh, seeing what she's doing. Oh, um, Alf's not... Alf is doing pretty well. He's um, He's got the technique down. Very good. So... Pam is up next, um, and is just like waiting for the cue. That's like they've got fifteen seconds to do this, and she's just standing there. And I think like half of the uh, the allocated time has gone. <laughs> oh, there we go. Right, back comes Sue. Oh, God, what's she going to give Eric? <laughs> now, is she going to be generous or is she going to be really stingy? I, d I don't know. We're going to find out. Sue. Oh, my God. That That's pretty generous. Um uh, I, I know you can't see it, but it, it looks like um, um, somebody just spilled um, cappuccino everywhere. Right, Shirley's got three. Good one, Deidre. What's Alf going to get? I, I reckon he'll get a good mark. Five. That's that's clear. That's clearly um, Alf's game, isn't it? You know, he's clearly done well. So we got Pam. Um, not bad. Not bad. What have we got? Not as good though. Uh, three. Three for Pam. Who does not look impressed? <laughs> The, the looks on some of the the contestants' faces when they don't do well, you know, they, uh, you know, they just look really disappointed, you know. So, Alf and Pam are through. Eric and Shirley are out, and we'll probably never eat a cake again. But they do get to take home uh, um, the commiseration prize of the door. So we're coming into the end game, and I wonder what we got today. Let's have a look. Right. What have we got? 
Oh, the brother leaves. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, the brother leaves were um, a comedy troupe. There, there's um, a trio of them. You've got um, Tony and Michael Dibble. They're, they're not actually called the Lees. Uh, and Roger Reynolds, who are now doing a great impression of Magnus Pike. <laughs> uh, these, these ones are always good fun, actually. I, I, I like this sort of end game. I'd have to do impressions of a day. Oh, Norman Wisdom. Um, I mentioned him in a previous one. We won't talk about him. But um, yes, Tony, Michael and Roger. And they, I think they were on, they they were regulars on the Generation Go. They were in, there was one, um, they, which was on, one in late 1976. Um, and they they would do like a Max Ball impression. I, you know, that, that one gets um, quite a lot of clips. You know, when when it was um when Bruce Forsyth passed away, you know, that was uh that was a popular one that they showed on like, you know, clip shows and retrospectives, that sort of thing. Uh if if you didn't hear the music then, they've just done an impression of um Um Lauren Hardy who now singing the trade of a lonesome pine. Um well yes, they were famously on the um the one that got blacked out in um, November 1977. Because, again, you know, we're back to a strike. And um, it wasn't shown until the um, Bruce's last show, which was um, which was a clip show. And they actually showed everything that had been blacked out to that point, um, which included uh, uh, Brother Lee's uh, uh, routine. How on earth is Roger hitting those high notes? <laughs> and uh, yes, they re- they've done the previous um, series. They're now doing Frankie Vaughan. Um, so yes, they they did the the twenty first of October, I think it was, which I've never I've seen a clip from it, but I've never never actually seen it. I think they did something like one man went to mow. I don't know. So there's this one, obviously, and then the uh, the year after they did um, a more pop pop oriented version with uh, they had to impersonate Leo Sayer and uh, Rod Stewart and uh, Olivia Newton John, I think, bizarrely, but. Uh, uh, and now Roger is doing an impersonation of uh, Larry almost too well, very well. Actually, I mean they're, they're they're very good, very 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 good at what they did actually. But um, where are they now? Um, well, a, qu- a, a quick Google check um, finds out that Tony's now an artist who works with acrylic paints. Um, Michael sadly suffered a stroke in 1991 um so unfortunately he um you know is too ill health to do any more shows and and according to my information roger ran a snooker center for some time so uh there you go and who's in larry's room it's mike yarwood who would later be on that evening yeah, Mike Yarwood was he's one of those classic 
examples of um, how he'd later go to ITV without much luck. I mean, it's it's the Bruce Forsyth thing all over again. Um, yeah, because you know Bruce's big night was in you know. You know, it it was on 1978, and it didn't do very well. And Mike Yarwood later did the same thing, but didn't do quite as well. I mean, come to think of it, Morgan and Wise, you know, they began at the BBC, and then they they left to go to ITV. But it just it didn't really fit them, and unfortunately, they just kind of you know fell by the wayside. Uh, in Yarwood's case, you know, they they just couldn't really kind of match that magic that they came up with on BBC. I I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, you know, the, the temptation of money, you know, probably a very lucrative contract from uh, uh, Grade and his cronies, you know. Ob- obviously, it was too much to resist. But unfortunately, they, they just couldn't come up with, you know, the same level of uh, um, quality that the BBC did. But, you know, there you go. Yeah, Yarwood, I think is 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 still with us, but I think he's in uh, I think he's in a retirement home. I don't know. Right, so Peter and uh, Daph are going to do the route. How are they going to do? So what is that? Yeah, Groucho Marx. They've got to do first. They've got the whole, you know, the cigar and the glasses and the nose and the stosh. Not bad, not bad, not bad start. Oh no, Magnus Pike. Oh, this should be good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's that's good. That's very good. Uh, Norman Wisdom, no. I like the way the brothers are kind of like, you know, sort of gently encouraging them to, you know, showing them what to do and They're just staggering around, aren't they? Peter's lost his hat. Oh, Lauren and Hardy now. I mean, the only uh, the only thing I the only experience I have of Lauren and Hardy is the cartoons, which they they always repeated when I was a kid. Always on, you know, children's BBC. Oh my God! How do, how do they do those hat rolls? Nope, could never do that. <clears throat> yeah, I think the Trail of a Lonesome Pine, I think, actually became a hit again, didn't it? In um, November 1975, I think it got to number two. It was probably behind um, Bohemian Rhapsody, actually, by Queen. Oh, God, what are they going to do here? <laughs> yeah, those moustaches... Don't look very flattery, actually. Jeez. (laughs) 
I think Peter's trousers are a bit too tight. Yeah, um, I think it's Tim. He, he just clonked um, Daff over the head with a mallet. Not a real one, of course. Um, yeah, these days, I think these very, you know, these elf and safety times, I don't think that would be allowed sometime, somehow. <laughs> They've done well, actually, um, Peter and Daff. They've, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if Alf and uh, Pam are just as good. We'll see. God, they always have to wear those like protective blue coveralls. They look like you know they're just waiting to have their hair done or something. I don't know. All right, here we go again. These, yeah, I, they look a little bit. Pam looks a bit out of her depth. <laughs> I, I think any contestant would be, you know, it's uh, it's not easy. Uh, Magnus Spike again, yeah, Magnus Spike. For those who don't know, um, <laughs> yeah, but actually, Alf's, Alf's doing a good Magnus Spike impression. Yeah, he was um, he was actually you know a scientific advisor and a, a scientist. Um, but you know, he kind of, he was famous for his TV appearances and he just kind of wildly waved his arms about and, you know, sort of real kind of overemphasized his words. He was, he was hilarious. I mean, in 1975, he was actually voted third in the most charismatic scientist poll behind Isaac, um, Newton and Einstein, which, um, yeah, there you go. The results speak for themselves. And he was also in um, Thomas Dolby's uh, She Blinded Me With Science video as well. Pam is just like, uh, what do I do now? Alfie's just going like any any which way because I have to do like a, you know, sort of a little bit of a walking routine around the stage. But Ralph is just like, Alf. Ralph? Alf. I don't know. I, I, I think they're good. I don't think they're quite as good as um, Peter and Daff. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, those moustaches... Oh, my God, that's an even bigger mallet now, isn't it? Jesus! <laughs> She's just, like, fallen over! God, I mean, if yeah, these days, I mean, social media would be an uproar. Forums would be an uproar over that, you know. Um, what's... I've got stuck to his head. It's like a big gaffer tape or something, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, she she looked quite short back then when she got clonked by the uh, by the mallet. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Elf and safety these days wouldn't allow such a a thing.
Yeah, not bad. I mean, you know, they're good sports. All of all of them are good sports. You know, for you know, for you know, going on there and just making a prat of yourself. I mean, it's you know, it's all good fun, isn't it? Right, Rogers back to deliver the verdict. And they all enjoyed it. That's the main thing. <laughs> Roger likes the Magnus Pike impression. Oh! <laughs> oh no! He's the real Magnus Pike. Oh no! This should be good. Absolutely raving mad. (laughs) How on earth do you follow that? I mean, actually, I mean, Pike's a good sport because, you know, after you've been impersonated three times, I mean, it's, it it could be a bit, um, Soul destroying, but obviously, you know, he's he, another, you know, another good sport. Now you don't, you don't really get anybody that you can impersonate anymore. I mean, every everybody's so bland, aren't they? You know, just soulless. Right. Um. Anyway, down of nitty gritty. Pam and Alf have got sixteen. Peter and Daff have got 19. Oh, very good. <clears throat> Actually, I, I didn't quite hear what um, Pam and Alf got. Maybe it was 17. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. We'll find out with schools in a minute. So um, I suppose, oh, yeah, Isla and, Isla and, ugh, Isla and Larry are probably going to do their own version of it, aren't they? Laurel and Hardy. Isla is now dressed up as... Um, I don't know. Yeah, Stan Laurel, yeah. Oliver Hardy's the one with a tash, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, they always used to do, you know, they always used to do their own version, didn't they? Which Anthea never did. I mean, I I think that's why I think the Larry and Isla partnership actually works in some ways. I think it works better than the Bruce and Anthea dynamic because Isla always used to kind of get more involved with the, uh, oh God, is she going to get clonked on the head? <laughs> yeah, Isla used to get a lot more involved. You know, she was kind of like the, um, she would actually announce the uh, the games in between. You know, she took a much more uh, proactive role, I think. Got very, very, oh my God. <laughs> Yes, she got the mallet treatment, and now she's whacking um, Tony with uh, with her hat. <laughs> oh dear! No, nobody can sing up high, can they? I mean, can you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, Larry's got a bit of a Ron... Oh, what's his name? Ron Mayall from Sparks thing going on there. He's, he's got the, you know, the sort of the, the tash to, to go with the look. <laughs> and now Isla's cutting Larry's tie. What's what's Larry going to do to get her back? Uh, rip the jacket. Can Isla beat that? It'll be the hat. I bet it'll be the bowler hat. She'll do something with the hat. Yep. <laughs> and now he looks like the shopkeeper from Mr. Ben. <laughs> he just needs a pair of those um, those little round glasses. so what are the final scores in the doors what have we got yep 19 yeah Daphne and Peter 19 and Alf and Pam 17 So it's uh, it's Peter and Daff who are through to the uh, chance to win some prizes on the conveyor belt. But uh, Alf and Pam get some consolation prizes. I didn't quite catch what they were. And of course for trophies. But, you know, they enjoyed it and that's the main thing. And uh, off they go. Yeah, one one thing about, you know, I suppose Larry's style of presentation is a lot more laid back because when they used to do the final questions, um, Bruce would always get evidently miffed if somebody, you know, sort of like shouted out the answer or whatever. And he, you know, sort of angrily go Shh, like that. Whereas, you know, I mean, Larry doesn't really seem that bothered. Um, well, Peter's fruit. Peter's got it right. So what is Daff and her velvet jacket going back with? Oh, some, uh, what was it? Booze. No, decanters. I don't know. Maybe she does get the booze as well. I don't know. Anyway, Peter's off to take the route to the loot. Here we go. What delights have we got on tonight? Let's have a look. What have we got? Oh, we've got a punch bowl. Deep fat fryer. Gudley toy. Gudley lion. Yeah, Peter's just got, yeah. Hair curlers. Class A fruits. Food mixer. Yes. That, what the hell? Peter's just like done a what the hell face to a great big bottle of Chianti. Uh, what ice cream maker? Silver tray. Steam iron. Brandy and glasses. A big triangle thing. Oh, car accessories, clock radio, thermo. Jugs. What do you do with thermo jugs? Glasses of preserves, <laughs> jars of preserves, lamp. Oh, tumble dryer. That's quite a good prize. Kitchen set up. Uh, not bad. So how how well is Peter going to? Oh God, that's a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a skip, isn't it? He's just literally skipped his way to the chair. Yeah, Larry's uncomfortable chair of doom, where he's now got 45 seconds to remember as many things. How's he going to do? 
the long thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought he'd remember that. Yeah. He can't go home without a cuddly toy. I wonder, actually, has anybody not gone home with a cuddly toy? They must have. They must have got it, you know, got it every week, mustn't they? First thing you think of. Even if you can't remember, like, the silver tray or the, you know, the, the lamp or whatever, or the jars of preserves, you can, um, you can be guaranteed to take a cuddly toy home with you. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Peter knew how many people would be watching him. You know, twenty five million people are watching you trying to remember jars of chutney. I mean, that's uh, that's that's quite a thing. I mean, it's you know, it'd probably be quite daunting to to some, but I don't know. And there we are. That's it. That's the end. Twenty five million viewers can't be wrong. As ever, always always enjoyable. I mean, it's uh, a lot of fun. So that's it from me, uh, from this podcast. That's your lot, as um, the warblers would sing on here. Um, I'll be back soon with some more podcasts. Um, Join me for those. There'll be um, a few music ones as well, by the way, in the future. Um, I'll be going through some albums and, uh, you know, burbling on about them. So uh, for now, thank you and good night. Thank you very much. Goodbye.